we know you can't get enough of your favorite flavors. Luckily, Kroger Free Pickup makes it easy to grab what you need without any surprise fees. Whether it's extra buns for the barbecue or those chips you just can't quit, start your cart with the Kroger app. Kroger, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply, subject to availability. It's the big $10 sale, so mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, my visionary friends, and thank you for joining us on another exciting adventure into future possibilities. This is Mission Evolution, where we share innovative thoughts and information with today's leading experts, bringing evolutionary solutions to today's unique challenges. You, my treasured audience, are a very important part of this discussion. Email info at missionevolution.org with any comments or questions. We'll address them on the very next show. This hour, we'll consider supporting health through the traumas of our times. Evolution, by its very nature, requires a departure from the status quo. Disruption of the norm results in chaos and upheaval. Upheaval is stressful and requires a certain amount of resilience to weather the transition from one structure to the next. I think we can all agree 2020 has been a year of disruption and chaos. The good news is the current dis, uh, disruption of the old, unwieldy structures is offering an amazing opportunity to build something new and sustainable. The challenge is staying healthy on all levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, through the somewhat traumatic process. With us this hour to explore the ways we can support ourselves and our families through this unprecedented process is Marcel Peck. Marcel is passionate about transforming the way women experience healthcare through an innovative approach. She's co-founder of the renowned Women to Woman Healthcare Center and one of the first to be certified as a functional medicine practitioner. She holds a B.S. in nursing from the University of New Hampshire and an M.S. in nursing from Boston College, Harvard Medical School. Marcel is the author of several books, including The Core Balanced Diet, Is It Me or My Hormones, and Is It Me or My Adrenals. Her website, marcelpeck.com. Marcel, on behalf of our listeners and myself, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. Absolutely. I'm delighted to be here. So what is functional medicine? Great question. So uh, the medicine of today, the conventional world as we call it, um, is always looking at uh, problems that you're having and then making a decision about a diagnosis. The problem with that is then we're just treating the symptoms. In functional medicine, it's what we call a systems biology approach. We're looking at the cause of the cause. If somebody has fatigue, for example, we're going to be interested in certainly looking at regular blood work and thyroid tests. But if all that's normal, I'm going to be interested in looking at the mitochondria. What's perhaps preventing the mitochondria from producing the energy that it needs? Is it a nutrient deficiency? Is it a toxin such as mold or possibly Lyme? Or could it can, be connected? Can I, can I back you up for just a second? For those of us that don't know, what's the mitochondria? Of course, it's the powerhouse of the cell. If we have a mitochondria that's not working properly, then we don't have the energy to be able to kind of do our day. And when we can't produce enough energy, you might be short of breath when you're going up a flight of stairs. You might notice that you just your get up and go is get up and gone. So we have to dig a little deeper to find out what is causing that problem. And it can be like if you have a plant and we have soil. If the soil is fantastic, the plant grows so well. If the soil, start, if the soil starts to get depleted with nutrients or lack of water, then we have to really change what we do to the soil to make it healthier. Our bodies are no different. So we might be nutrient deficient. We might notice that we've had too much stress, which increases cortisol. That can produce a whole set of problems. So we're really needing to understand what created the issue to begin with. And when you dig deep into that, 
we can really, really get people well. So we don't have these huge numbers of people with chronic disease. We just have to uncover the problem. How did you become interested in the field? Oh, my goodness. So I grew up in Australia in the outback. And it was really part of kind of the way that I existed in Australia. We didn't have cars. We didn't have trucks. We didn't have lights. We, you know, I didn't know how to flush a toilet until I was 11. So I spent a lot of time in the Aboriginal caves. And the way of, the, of that world is kind of looking at the root problem, looking at the cause of the issues. And when, I became, when we came to America, I've always been interested in looking at medicine a different way. My goal was to really change women's health so that we can be healthier even as we get older. It's um, What kind of training is involved in becoming a functional medicine practitioner? I see that, that you are a nurse, but not necessarily an MD. Right. So I'm actually a nurse practitioner, which is a little bit different. And nurse practitioners have their own independent license and it can be an independent practice. So we actually, you know, can prescribe medications. We um, have our own private practice. We actually have a patient load. And it's very similar to uh, also a physician assistant in, in the context of kind of what they do. And to become trained in functional medicine, it's a several-year process in which you have to get um, take many different modules on the digestive system, on the endocrine system, on the cardiovascular system, um, looking at uh, things that have to do with um, problems, for example, with uh, the rheumatological issues. And uh, hormones, of course, and adrenals, of course, and thyroid, of course. And then you um, take an exam in order to become certified so that you are aware of the material. And also, of course, you have to have case studies as well. And I have been doing functional medicine for probably the last 30 years. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know I'd been around that long. I know it's becoming more and more popular for obvious reasons. Are there any studies on its effectiveness uh, versus uh, the regular allopathic forms? Great question. So, yes, there are large studies done. There was one actually that was published in one of the peer-reviewed journals looking at uh, the Cleveland Clinic, which we have a we have a very large clinic there in functional medicine. And they looked to see, was there a difference in terms of outcome of those that were treated with functional medicine versus those that were treated allopathically? And it was a hands-down yes. Less medications, more uh, of a, an ability to, to return to life, and less uh, pain. So yes, there are studies uh, consistently coming out that are showing pretty significant differences. And we know that um, in the United States, unfortunately, the amount of chronic disease that we have in this country is one of the, the leading problems in the world, actually, with chronic disease. And we've not been great about it, uh, being able to tackle that issue, because I think from my perspective, uh, you need to know I'm biased, we're not looking at what the what what happened. Why did that issue occur? If somebody has joint pain, is it arthritis or is it sometimes the inflammatory foods they're eating? Or is it perhaps related to the amount of stress that they have, which increases cortisol, which also increases inflammation? Right. So we, we've been faced with some unprecedented challenges of the blade. Would you mind listing the ones that you've seen? Oh, my goodness. So um, I've seen uh, large amounts of depression. I've seen women having hormonal problems. I've seen more thyroid issues. I've seen more digestive issues. I've seen people that are feeling totally overwhelmed. They don't know how to manage this. I've seen many people gain 15 to 20 pounds over the last several months. I've seen people come down with more um, um, really emotional issues than I've ever seen in my career. I've also seen much more of that happening in children. Children are starting to become more depressed because of the times and the lack of hope in their minds. Um, and, you know, it's been a really a, a pandemic within a pandemic, if you will, of, of issues that are coming up. Well, it's not just the pandemic, although goodness knows that's certainly enough, but we also have riots and uh, social upheaval and fires and right. the list just goes on and on and on. And then on top of that, the effects of how we're trying to deal with it. I mean, our firefighters are stressed. Our people are looking at the, the, the planet going up in flames and, and that's scary and particularly for our children. Um, so what is the impact of seeing all the riots and unrest having on our health? 
So um, the the thing that we see the most is it's affecting our adrenals. And you're 100% right, Gwilda. It wasn't enough that we had the pandemic. Now we've got, you know, fires that are on all the time that people are worried. And many of my contemporaries that live in California can't breathe. We also have the hurricanes, you know, some of the areas that were hit twice. And we also have the riots and the demonstrations. I think what's happened for many, many people is their sense of balance is completely off. Many parents are also now homeschooling and they've never had to do that before. They're also trying to keep a job and they're also fearful of what's happening planetarily. And the thing I see the most is uh, people's moods are affected. You know, they're feeling much more depressed. They have a sense of hopelessness. They're not paying as much attention to exercise and the food that they're eating, which is compromising their health even more. And their energy has gone down. They're not sleeping as well because they're fearful. And we're seeing much more depression in our children than we've ever seen before. And it's a combination of all of those things that you described um, because there doesn't seem, and, and kind of the political unrest, it doesn't feel like there's any, any sense of balance anymore for people. Their sense of hope is gone. It's it's a it's pretty traumatic time, and when the when the parents are stressed and upset, and the children are exposed to the parents more, their no, their little worlds have been upended with school being closed down. How much impact is the uh, impact on the parents having on the children? Huge. Huge amounts. I mean, um, I just did an interview with a pediatrician um, about two weeks ago, and one of the things she urges parents to do, and I do the same thing, is urge them to teach them how to breathe. You know, one of the things that we do when we get really anxious is we hold our breath. So it's really important that parents and their children, you know, find ways to have that get our body into what we call parasympathetic. The sympathetic nervous system is that I can do this, I can move through this, I can you know, do whatever needs to be done, but we need to have the brakes on that system, which is the parasympathetic and breathing. Just doing what I call 777 breathing, inhale for seven, hold for seven, exhale for seven, seven times. That gets one into parasympathetic very quickly. And that's a fun thing to do with our children because they're scared with what they see around the world and their parents' attitude and emotional status absolutely affects the children. So it sounds like that we need to practice that 777 and then teach our children because we do need to shift out of that place of panic or we can't, uh, We the kids feel it. I mean, you don't have to say it, you don't have to express it, you try to hide it, but they just pick it up. Absolutely. You know, our children watch what we do, not what we say. And as they're noticing that we're feeling anxious or we're doing things that are in the behavior of anxiety, they're going to be, you know, very anxious on the inside themselves. So it's our job to find ways to have our own balance and then also to teach our children. And even if we're just having them observe outside, notice the trees, you know, notice the little, you know, squirrels that are walking around just to have them kind of take their eye off the anxiety into something that's going on in nature can be very helpful. Watching oh, birds fly. Yeah. yeah, nature's nature's a major key. Um, I'm I'm up here on a mountaintop in Colorado, and not all that close to all the fires in color in uh, California. There's some here, but um, I'm a good distance from them. But when the prevailing winds come through, sometimes I can hardly see the sun, and I've kicked into asthma and this and that. And I know a lot of other people are being impacted. And what that brings home is how oh my gosh, this is affecting everyone. Absolutely. How how can we bring that back into perspective so we don't go into panic? You know, I mean, I uh, I grew up in Australia, and in Australia we oftentimes would have actually forest fires. And I remember the times that I was kind of walking along thinking, oh, my God, this has never come back to normal. And the reality is it did and it does. But at this point, it's going to be very important to do as much self-care as you can. And doing things, and, and sometimes it requires that you don't watch the news three or four or five times a day. It means that you get the headlines, you get the understanding, and then you also find ways to have solace in your own life every single day. Because if we don't do that, that panic is going to set in, which also contributes to that asthmatic response, which is also in reaction to the air quality as well. So it's a cascade effect. And when we find ways to bring it back to, okay, what do we know about this very moment in right here and now? And that is that there isn't a fire around me or I'm safe. You know, whatever it takes for you to be able to kind of come to that place of, of balance within yourself is going to be crucial for every one of us every single day as we move forward. 
This is going to be a work in process, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Every moment. Every yeah. moment. Every moment. Well, speaking of moments, it's about time for a commercial break. Marcel and I will return shortly, so don't you go away. You're listening to Mission Evolution, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. This discussion is just getting good, so you stay with us. is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. To all our faithful and thoughtful listeners, we really value your opinion and would love to hear from you. What do you think about maintaining resilience during times of intense transition? Email me at info at missionevolution.org and let us know your take on the subject. This in from a member of our audience regarding the episode entitled The Evolutionary Power of Change and Disruption, DEM Shares. This episode is a must-listen. It was full of great information on how to embrace change. Thanks, DM. Rita was indeed a wealth of useful knowledge so needed during these times of transition. Curious, dear audience? Visit our archives at missionevolution.org, listen to the episode entitled The Evolutionary Power of Change and Disruption, and let us know what you think. Again, you can email us at info at missionevolution.org and give us your thoughts or questions so we can share them on the next show. With us this hour discussing supporting health during times of upheaval is Marcel Peck, her website, marcelpeck.com. So Marcel, we were kind of outlining all the, all the things that are impacting at this time and, and the effect it's having on us. Um, one of the things is the lockdown. How uh, is the lockdown that we've gone through, how, how has that affected our health, physical, emotional, and mentally? You know, I, I see two two categories of people in my practice. Some of them have taken this time to be quiet and internal and also have made changes about how they do their day, about the food that they're eating and how much exercise they're getting. Then I have the other side, which is the people that are feeling so overwhelmed and so stressed. And oftentimes it's parents that are having to um, dance between homeschooling and computers and who's going to take care of the kids. How do we get the meals ready? How do I still keep my job? And what's interesting is that the unfortunate part with that is if you already had a lot of stress beforehand and then the contribution of this in addition to the world that we're seeing around us, it's causing huge amounts of cortisol that's produced. And what cortisol does, we can't live without it. And if we have sufficient amounts, we can do our lives and our day. When we have too much of it, it can be certainly a problem like with Cushing's or it can be too little with Addison's, but we don't really see that very often in the population. But what we are seeing now is that the adrenals are getting out of balance and they're too small. Um, they look like almost almonds that sit on top of the kidneys. And they are very, very important because they help control our hormones, they help stabilize our blood sugar, and they also help with fluid retention. So what we start to see is when the cortisol levels are high, our hormones get disrupted, our thyroid gets disrupted, our digestive system gets disrupted, our immune system gets affected, and we start to see that also even just because of that, even if our diet isn't any different, that we start to gain weight. And many times during the pandemic, what I'm seeing in the shutdown, as you described, uh, what people are doing is they're going for faster foods. And initially when it happened, everybody was grabbing pastas and pasta sauce just in case we wouldn't be able to get food. That's changed now, which is great. And you can get many more fruits and vegetables. So what I urge people to do is to have this be an opportunity to do the best that you can to make changes in the home that you have, which means that you start looking at what's really good nutrition. The less artificial colors, sweeteners, dyes that you have, the better. The more things that you can actually prepare quickly at home for yourself, it doesn't have to take a lot of time. And finding ways to exercise. If you have a computer, you can do exercise at home. 
if you have uh, are having difficulty with you know this whole thing with the internet that you start looking at what's homeschooling have to offer me can i learn from the homeschooling community so that you find sources for yourself because otherwise this can feel so overwhelming and what is happening for many many people is they're actually feeling that they're more depressed that they're eating junk food that they are watching tv all the time in between the times that they're running around trying to organize their lives so you know, grilled it's having a huge impact on us as a society. And then we're also not having connection with our friends and our and our buddies and our families and our grandchildren. So we're isolated and freaked out at the same time. Let, let's totally. go a little, let's go a little bit into cortisol. Does uh, that does all this stress, does cortisol uh, when it gets uh, over overactive, does it cause inflammation? Yes, ma'am. It sure does. And, you know, uh, you know, I have patients in my practice that are, have a huge amounts of stress now. And what we're finding is they've got more joint pain than they had before. Or they're noticing that they can't lose weight, even though they've changed nothing in their lives. They're noticing that their hormones, they're having hot flashes and they haven't had them for years. Or their periods are irregular. Or they're having more PMS. Um, it's amazing sick. how everything counterbalances everything else, isn't it? Totally. Totally. You know, I've been uh, interviewing a lot of experts, um, scientists, doctors, um, on COVID nineteen, and one of the mm-hmm. things that's come up that fascinates me is it's not the it's not the virus that kills you; it's your own body's overactive inflammation. So if we're already under stress, weren't we kind of set up for this in the first place? Well, there's a yes and no answer to that, Gwilda. What we know is if you imagine the soil scenario again, the healthier the soil the more the plant is able to even resist pesticides, you know, uh, any kind of insects, okay? The same is true for our host, our body. If we are healthy, and that means, you know, I spent the weekend, as I do many times, I'm a little bit of a geek, I like to see the science, looking at what happens with COVID with respect to people that are eating healthy diets, their immune system gets way, way, way less aggravated and agitated with the COVID virus. And that there's three types of responses with regards to the immune system. And that's what we are seeing with the people that get COVID is each person is a little bit different in terms of their outcome or their response with the blood clots, with the lungs, with the heart, with the neurological. But much of that, the beauty of what we are starting to know is much of that can be mitigated when we change the, our diet to less inflammatory foods. That's amazing, in, isn't it? How, oh, how, it's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. and w- would you speak a little bit to the state of our normal Western diet going into this? Oh, Gwilda. So there was a movie many years ago called Supersize Me, and it looked at if you did fast food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, did it change your biochemistry in as little as two weeks? And the answer was yes, it did. To the point that the physicians that were watching the person that was doing it said to him, uh, we don't know if you can get these liver enzymes down again and the blood sugar changes that are happening. So it can happen very quickly, but the other side of it is we can change it very quickly as well. You know, I can have somebody change their diet in six weeks and their cholesterol and triglycerides can come down over, you know, 100 points for triglycerides. So that's very, very exciting, but it means that we have to pay attention. French fries are not our friend. French fries, you know, and those kinds of fast foods actually may contribute to inflammation. It's amazing, isn't it? You are what you eat, they say, right? Yes. <laughs> but but here's, here's the other side of that coin. So say a person's already, you know, locked down and they're underneath all this stress and they're having trouble holding their mood stable, probably part of the food and everything else. There is a lot of stress involved in changing your diet and people, you know, perceive deprivation. Um, how does that impact it? How, how do you mitigate that if you're going to try to change your diet in the middle of all this? You do it one step at a time. If it's sugar that you are eating a lot of, then you just stop sugar and you you start substituting with things like frozen cherries or you use xylitol or you use stevia. And after that, then you might want to stop gluten because, you know, if we look at a population and we do some actual testing on people, if we do 20 people, we see that 19 of them are reacting to gluten because of how gluten has changed in our culture. So those two are considered inflammatory foods. And for some people- how has it changed? How has gluten changed in our culture? Um, well, the way that we um, we um, 
plant the soil for one, the amount of gliadin in the products increases the concentration of gluten in anything you're consuming. There are many people that are gluten reactive, but they go to Europe or they go to South America and they don't have the same response. So it's almost like the body burden, Gwilda, and that's what the body, and, and we also have it for breakfast, for snack, for lunch, for dinner, and it's also in many, many things that you're not familiar with, for example, in the glue of envelopes. So we're getting bombarded with it all the time. That's amazing, isn't it? So the um, the the gluten, uh, if um, is it causing inflammation then as well? It is causing inflammation as well. But the thing that's important is that we're all different. And what causes inflammation for you might not cause inflammation for me. So it's really trying to be a little bit of a detective to say, hmm, what's happening? Did I feel bad or not? But here's the thing, Welda. You have to take most everything out of your diet. I use the analogy, if you're sitting on three thumbtacks and I take two away, you don't notice a difference. If I take three away and then I say, well, just sit on this very small thumbtack, you're going to notice it immediately. And the same is true with food. We have to take all the offending out to see if you're reacting to those things. But also understand that cortisol is inflammatory. And also we know that the love hormone oxytocin, which is that connecting bonding hormone, can be very, very helpful in offsetting that inflammatory cascade that goes on for many people. So that's another piece that we don't have is we don't have that connection anymore because of what's happening in so many states with the lockdown. Well, even within that, people being locked together is not their happy place. And the love it's, they had for each other so, might be wearing so a little true. thin. It's so true, Gwilda, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So does the state of our diet impact our ability to cope with these challenges, i.e., how does it affect our ability to think our way through? That's the fantastic question. The reality is it very, very much affects our moods. And it affects our ability to think clearly. There's been some interesting research. When one believes in the ketogenic diet or not, it can be very, very extremely helpful for people that are undergoing cancer treatments. Um, Would you mind describing the diet? Sure. Keto. Yes, I talk too quickly about these things, don't I? So the keto diet is one in which you don't have as much protein as you do in a paleo diet, but you have very low carbs and you have good quality fats in the diet. And for some people, it puts them into a state of ketosis, which many are starting to use, especially for neurological problems, for Alzheimer's. And now we're starting to use it for some patients that are undergoing chemotherapy along with intermittent fasting. And what we're finding is that it helps to uh, feed the brain because the brain does function on uh, fats. And people have a much clearer or kind of ability to be able to think clearly. But we've also gotten rid of many of the inflammatory foods like breads and grains and sugar because those are high in carbohydrates. And for some people, it's even the, uh, the fruits that they're eating. Now, we still, you know, we still need to have lots of colorful fruits and vegetables, excuse me, vegetables. But using a ketogenic diet can be one of the things that can shift you if you're someone that's craving sugar a lot into um, more ketosis and also the ability to no longer crave the sugar. Yeah, all I have to do is look at sugar and I get brain fog. <laughs> I know, me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, so is that a good all-around diet as a rule or is it person by person? It's person by person. I think the best overall diet for everybody is Mediterranean diet. And I actually do genetic testing to find out genetically to the best of our ability, can I determine if you're low fat, low carb, Mediterranean or balanced? And the answer is yes. And I see a lot of people that are low carb, which would be keto or, or paleo. And I also see people that are low fat. So it's really finding out for yourself what you need. But again, the inflammatory foods are not good for any of us vegetables, colored vegetables on your plate, the color of the rainbow is what you want to be thinking about when you look at your plate in the morning. So a bowl of cereal is kind of bland, doesn't have much color to it. So it's probably best to opt and perhaps for an omelet with, you know, some red peppers and some green peppers and some, you know, spinach. So it's got lots of color on the plate. It's amazing that the things that we would naturally be drawn to, like lots of color, are the things that would sustain us. Um, and it seems like we've gotten away from following that, haven't we? 
We have. And I think part of it's because we're in such a fast pace. We do what's really quick. We do what's fast. And I mean, you know, I can make a pizza at home with gluten-free crust in 10 minutes. You know, it doesn't take much time to do if I use a pizza crust. So it's learning to adapt. I have an air fryer so I can cook my, you know, dinner very, very quickly if I want to. It's finding ways to stay healthy with lots of color, but at the same time, health conscious, using organic as much as possible. Boy, organic is important, isn't it? Well, we're going to have to pick up on this on the other side of a quick pause. Marcel and I will return to our discussion shortly, so you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. This is Mission Evolution. Did you know our entire Leading Edge information-packed past episode collection is available to listen or download with our compliments? Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. Our guest this hour is Marcel Peck. We're speaking about supporting health in times of trauma. Her website, marcelpeck.com. Marcel, Marcel, the unknown can be pretty challenging, and we're in a whole middle of a whole bunch of unknowns. I mean, people are wondering, is is this just a, you know, a fire season or is this, are we seeing global change? Are we seeing, you know, global warming? Um, will this pandemic ever go away? Is this change permanent? Everything's un- unknown and challenging. Mm-hmm. What happens to our health when we're in uncertain times like that? Well, as we talked about before, the cortisol levels go up, and that really could be one of the things that can be devastating to the body because cortisol is really very important hormone. And when we think of our hormones, we think of you know estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, THEA, and the reality is the major hormones are not that at all. They're insulin, which comes from the food that we eat, cortisol and adrenaline, both of which come from our, our adrenal glands. So setting the stage for whatever it takes for you to be in that calm, peaceful state, as crazy as it sounds, if there's a hurricane and the tree is grounded into the floor, the the tree will bend over, but it doesn't get uprooted. And I think that's the challenge for all of us right now in our times is to find a way to balance oneself on a daily basis, be that through meditation, be that through breathing. I'm a ballroom dancer. So even now, there's a group of us that are in a bubble and we rent a space and we all together go and do ballroom dancing. So it's finding out for yourself what's gonna allow you that place of solitude, that place of inner peace, that place of quiet. And you know, one of my, I have a a spiritual teacher and she said to me the other day, you know, We've had thousands of years of ego that's been driving our our world. It's time now for us to become heart-centered, and each of us needs to figure out what that means for us. So doing gratitude every day and being grateful for what you do have, the, the air that you're breathing, the roof over your head, the computer that you're using, your children, your family, whatever that takes, which gets us into the spiritual realm. We don't know the answer to this, Gwilda, but the other side of this and is probably going to be a situation in which we're much stronger and much more uh, personally aware of ourselves than we ever have before. You know, I personally believe that this is this was the natural result of where we've been going, which was not sustainable on any level. Not the way we treat Correct. each other, not the way we treat ourselves, yeah. not the way we treat the planet, not the food we eat. Nothing was sustainable. No. And um, it's, a, it's a really harsh reset. How can we reframe it as a reset versus the end of the world so that we can come to, from that loving, balanced place? Um, it requires, you know us to go kind of inside ourselves and to look at, are there, you know, even thoughts that I have that are somewhat negative? 
Are there behaviors that I have that are negative? Are, do I respond to my, my company, my family, my friends, myself? Because women are horrible at the words they say to themselves. How can I come to a place of, of solitude and love? You know, as my teacher said to me, you know, Marcel, you know, we're going to all have to be Switzerland here and we're going to have to find ways to understand others' differences, but to not react to it and also find ways in a spiritual way to come from love. That's going to require a huge amount from us, Gulda, because I completely agree with you. The way we were treating each other, the way we're treating the planet, the way we were in the world is not sustainable. And in particular in America, the way that we've been eating you know, when we look at other countries around the world, we have more fast foods. When I traveled around Europe, they don't have the fast food that we have here at, you know, in Greece at the places where you stop to get on the different, you know, uh, ocean or the boats to go from island to island. We are, you know, very much fast food, you know, fast pace. We have to learn to slow down. And this, if nothing else, is teaching us to be quiet. But we have to be willing to see some of those pieces about ourselves, perhaps that we don't like, and be willing to say, you know what, I can change that. I didn't realize that that might be, I'm snappy with my children, or I'm, I respond in that way. What do I need to do to change that? Some of that, unfortunately, is going to come from cortisol. So it's going to require us, it's like this vicious cycle, to be more centered about who we are, and how we think, and how we are in the world, and how we eat, and how we take care of ourselves. Haven't, haven't we uh, used this fast-paced, busy, busy, busy to keep from looking too closely at the things that we just as soon not see? And now we're sitting with it. It's in our face. How much is this having to do with people's angst? Huge amounts. You know, I've, I've said for years in several of the books that I've written, if we don't deal with our story, our story will deal with us. And what that means is if you were anxious as a child, if you had um, some things going on at home, I don't know if anyone's ever talked with you about the ACE study that was done in 1998, uh, looking at if you had adverse events in your childhood, and many, many of us did, of course, um, from you know feeling unloved as a child to having a parent that died to having parents that divorced to having a parent that was alcoholic to certainly physical and emotional abuse. If you had a score on their questionnaire of one to ten, if you had a score of four or more, your chances of having an addiction are 165% higher. Your chances of heart disease, lung disease, cancer were 150 plus you know percent higher. So we know that what we carry inside us affects our biochemistry. And now in 2020, we have more studies than we've ever had in the history of medicine showing the connection between our inner stress and our biochemical changes that occur that contribute to cancer, that contribute to lung disease, heart disease, and so on. So your point is so well taken that if we are not willing to take a look inside and to be loving with ourselves and say, wow, I, I never realized that, that that was a problem. And sometimes we need to have um, a, a mentor or a coach or perhaps even a therapist not tell us what's wrong because that's not what they do, but guide us into, ah, did you notice that this is something that you do? That's how we begin to change and do it from a place of love for ourselves and those around us. Because if we sit on it, that's when the wake-up call happens, and it's not oftentimes pretty. Yeah, that's the truth. You know, right now, when experts don't even know the facts, people tend to make up their own and polarize against all others. How does extreme polarization impact us in, you know, in an election year, too? You know, how does extreme polarization impact our health? Hugely. And again, the thing that it does is it causes that cortisol to go up. So there are many times if you have high cortisol at night, you can't sleep. And when you can't sleep, you if you're driving, your behavior is similar to somebody that's had too much alcohol. And you can't think clearly, and it changes the biochemistry of your body, and your hormones get dysregulated, and you have fluid retention that you never had before. So it's got huge impacts. So again, it comes back down to, you know, do I have a spiritual connection? Is there a place I can go to gain hope back? Because you're absolutely right. Even in medicine, Gwilda, I read all the articles. I did a Facebook Live for three and a half months on what we know about COVID. And it changed from day to day, from you know moment to moment. And it's very confusing because you don't know what to believe. So I urge people to even sometimes take um, a technology you know, break 
are even, you know, that they do um, fasting from it for a little while, just to say, can I just get to a place of calm for myself? What do we know to be absolutely true? And that's going to be a little bit different for each person. If you live in California, you're going to have a lot of smoke around. You live in Maine, we, we didn't even really notice it very much here at all. But there's other types of reality that are going on. So it's getting honest with yourself and getting honest with what you know to be absolutely true. Now, the fear also of what's going on around us also makes it much harder for us because fear changes our biochemistry. So it's perhaps using um, some, uh, you know, um, natural oils, essential oils, or it's using other nutrients that we can use to really help calm the adrenal system so that our body's not in fight flight all the time. Because when it's in fight flight, our anxiety is going to be off the roof, as is it's going to happen for our children as well. And we can't think. We're coming from the back brain, which is just fight, flight, or aggression. And exactly. no one, I don't know of any problems that were ever solved from there. Do you? None. None. <laughs> and again, that's why the, the concept of my spiritual teacher, it doesn't come from ego and it doesn't come from conflict. It comes from heart. Being willing to listen to the other side without getting angry or feisty and then being able to have a, a conversation in terms of opinion or, you know, how do we come to a decision? How do we come to a balance here? That's happening and is going to need to happen. It's the more feminine perspective, if you will, uh, uh, about how do we kind of understand even the medical pieces, you know, should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? Well, I think it's been pretty well clear and proven that we do need to wear masks. But, you know, within the context of that, it's less fear that all of us need to be mindful of so that we're not always shunning people. I run in the morning and, you know, people are shunning me as I'm going by as far apart as I can be. That's not going to help us be more united as a, as a culture. It's interesting. It's even the mask or not to mask issue has become a cause for polarization. I know. Um, I, I was I know. wearing a mask the other day because I had to go to the doctor's office. And yeah. when I was walking up to the doctor's office, someone said, what are you afraid of? I went, <laughs> stupidity, maybe? <laughs> you know, right. it, it's just, it's not, it doesn't hurt you to wear one. But people are so, um, I think, challenged at this time that they tend to polarize because they're not coming from the front brain. And so I, I love what you're saying about how we have to really come from heart and from logic and from compassion to counteract this thing. How, what's the first step we can take to really start doing that? A lot of that's going to be making sure that the thoughts that you have are coming from the frontal part of the brain, not the reactive part of the brain. That's the amygdala. And the amygdala is the response that we had as children usually. It's, you know, fight. Um, you can't take my space over. You know, I've... I've that is never going to get us where we need to get to. So it takes practice, Gilda. You have to be able to kind of acknowledge, oh, that's an that's immediate response. That's kind of a reactive response. What do I know to be true? What do I know to be reality in this particular situation? That's what all of us have to practice every single day. Every single moment, really. It every seems like moment. It seems like there's so much angst out there that it's kind of um, imbuing the entire atmosphere and you have to really be mindful to um, see through it. Well, yeah. And, you know, as an example, your your kind of reaction is we are all going to have that when I'm running in the morning. I want to say, are you know, excuse me. But what my response really needs to be. Good morning. You know, and I need to be able to come from that, you know, frontal part of my brain as well, just not allowing that to affect me. And the more of us that can do that, the more that that's going to catch on. And, and that's the piece that's truly our challenge right now is to find out where's my center place. Because if we can stand in that central place and not react, we aren't adding to the uh, angst in the general atmosphere, right? Exactly. That's exactly right. Because we want to, we don't want to fuel it anymore. Just like, you know, the expression of fuel of fire, but we don't want to fuel that anymore. We want to become Switzerland, which is kind of in that, that medium place of stillness, that quiet place of this is my, my stance. And I want the best for everybody here. You know, some people seem to be much more resilient during these challenging times. What's creating that resilience? 
You know, it's interesting. When they did the ACE study that I just told you about, which is actually one of the largest studies in the history of medicine, um, they, they also scored those people with those people with resiliency. And resiliency means that even in that chaotic home that they may have had, they had someone that was always there towing the line saying, this is, this is how it is. You are amazing. You are going to create wonderful things in the world to counterbalance the other. So we all need to have that within our lives at some point so that we do become resilient and we do find ways to overcome every situation. Well, it's um, gaining resilience sounds like kind of like a large job. Isn't there quite a bit some of us have to patch up in order to become more resilient if we were one of those ones with the high score? Hands down. If you are someone that is in that situation and you had a very high score, what that means then is that you need to learn how to reorient your brain. For example, if you're walking in the we'll, woods. We'll, we'll need to talk about reorienting the brain, which I think is very important, on the other side of yet another commercial break. Marcel and I will be back shortly to continue our discussion, so don't go away. This is Mission Evolution on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you, dear listeners, for your continued encouragement and support of what we're providing through Mission Evolution to aid during these challenging times. And speaking of gifted people of service to the world, our continued programming and broadcast is only made possible through the endless hard work and dedication of our executive producer, Rob McConnell, and his amazing team at the Exxon Broadcast Network. This hour, we're sharing thoughts with Marcel Peck, her website, marcelpeck.com. Marcel, we were just getting into how do we reorganize if we happen to be one of those people that have had a lot of trauma in our life? So let's use the example of walking in the woods and you just have a baby in your arms and you're walking in the woods and you hear this noise and you jump out of the way because you think it's a snake. As you start then to look down and say, oh, it was just a twig, your frontal part of your brain starts to recognize that that immediate amygdala response or that you know primitive response was not accurate. We have to learn to be able to do that with our reactions. For example, I had a patient that I saw two weeks ago and she's you know newly um, single and she's starting to date and somebody responded somehow to her and she immediately, deleted his text, she deleted his email, she de- you know, that's the amygdala response. Instead of saying, wait a minute, what did he really mean by that reaction? That's an old habit that she learned as a child. So we have to reorient many of the things that we do, either at behavior, maybe we grab for sugar when we're feeling stressed. So we have to really ask ourselves the question, what am I really stressed about? Is sugar going to really make it better? Because sugar doesn't make it better. It usually makes us feel tired and it allows us to forget the situation that caused the problem to begin with for sure but it doesn't really take care of the problem so, so it's basically t- it's a drug it's a drug yeah. it is a drug for us so are many people that overeat and use food for comfort but whatever the substance is that we're doing that's not really impacting how we can change our lives we have to change that and it takes baby steps it takes you know inner Inner work on your part, either with someone, yourself, it might be journaling, it might be doing gratitude, it might be going outside with your feet planted on the earth and learning how to stay connected to the planet. Everybody's a little bit different about how they get there. But when you're ready, and there's so much on the internet now that you can really learn, there's workshops, there's webinars, there's you know courses you can take to start to really understand, am I responding from my primitive brain? Or is this really the frontal part of my brain, the neocortex? Because that's also what's going to trigger fear. You know, is the fear a reality? 
I like that word trigger because what you're talking about is being triggered out of the front brain into the back brain by an incident in the present that relates to an event in the past. Would you go into that a little more for us? Be glad to. So if we as children, um, let's say we grew up, um, I don't know, with a, with a parent that was very controlling or would, would a better example, a parent that didn't say anything, but if looks could kill you would have been dead. Okay. That was, that was my, my story with my dad. So as you grow up, what you start to do then is you become very precocious in the, in scenarios around you. And you're kind of watching for that behavior, expecting that behavior to have the same consequences. And that isn't always true, but it's my immediate amygdala response until I've gotten old enough to be able to say, no, that's, you know, that's not the case here. Um, that's not at all where he's coming from. But we do that in every way in our lives. So it's becoming more uh, informational about your uh, immediate innate responses and starting to guide them in a different way. For example, my patient starting to ask the questions instead of, you know, wiping him off every type of communication, starting to say, wait a minute, you know, when you said that, did you mean that? Because the immediate response was the amygdala response, the primitive, the little girl response instead of the adult response. You know, it's, it seems like right now we're being triggered left and right. We are. And how, what's a red flag so we can actually tell when we're triggered? You can actually feel it physically. You know, if you're willing to kind of listen to your body, you might get red cheeks. You might feel just, you know, this rage come up, this anger come up, this emotion come up. If the reaction is, you know, I use my hands to describe this. The reaction should be kind of in proportion to the situation. If the reaction is so overboard, you know that you're being triggered by something else. And it isn't just about the present day situation. For example, just use my example. So if I then had a boss that behaved in the same way as my father did, that I'm going to be triggered all the time because he's, you know, not somebody who talks very much. He, you know, might have some emotions inside that he doesn't really let go of. So I'm going to not just be reacting to him. I'm going to be reacting to my own story. And that's what I meant when I, when I said, if you don't deal with your story, your story will deal with you. It becomes your life and its history. It becomes your life and your history moving forward. Absolutely. And we know now that it changes our biochemistry. So it changes the inflammation markers. It changes the choices that we make in jobs and relationships. It changes how our hormones work, how our thyroid works, how our digestive system works. It's connected to every single organ system in the body and our heart. So is it like kind of like a time machine? You're going along, you know, you're, you're in the front brain, everything's going cool, and, and, and something triggers you. Are you all of a sudden thrown back into the physiological response at the time of the trauma? You absolutely can be, yes. So the, the point is that the sooner you're able to move out of that and go, oh, God, that was yesterday, and you can learn how to do that, the faster you're not going to have a physical response. You might have immediate uh, you know, reaction of you get a little bit short of breath or you just get a length and then you just go, oh, no, 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 that wasn't a snake. That was just a piece of wood. And then you're able to kind of come back into balance again. And the more you practice that, the easier it gets and the less likely it is you're going to be triggered in the same way. Yes. The other thing is with your neuroplasticity, if wherever you spend the most time, you actually develop muscles there. So the back brain, if you, if you live there, it becomes more developed and it's it's your default place where if you start making those corrections, you start building the strength in the front brain and it's easier to get back there. Hands down. And we know that people with people with chronic disease or chronic pain, if they don't learn to change those neuropathways, It continues to go down that same pathway. It's never going to get better. I'm never going to get better. I don't feel well. That has to be changed. And you can do it when you do some brain retraining, we call that. So you're exactly right. And we can all do it. It's just understanding that we have the most amazing ability right now to heal as humans. And it's before us. It's the choice that we're going to have to make. Either we're going to go for it or we're going to stay in that place of fear and not learn that we can learn so much about our health by changing our diet, by changing our thoughts, by getting more spiritual connection, whatever that means for you. And being outside, being connected to nature, exercising your body and loving your body and loving yourself in a way that we've not, especially women, have not done. 
Well, you know, it's, it's amazing the times we're in, and they are volatile. But can we reframe, you know, let's talk about transmutation. Can we reframe these experiences we're having and find the gifts and opportunities they're in? Yes. Yes, we absolutely can. And this is the thing that I see for some of my patients that I've heard from them, which is this has been a gift. I haven't had time to be with my children. Um, I'm feeling connected to them. I'm seeing things in them I've never seen before. Or, you know, other people that are learning how to stay connected with family on Zoom or people that are have the opportunity now to learn how to cook. You know, we're seeing that people are canning more than they've ever canned before. You can't get canning supplies anymore. So people getting back down to the to the basics. They're growing gardens. You couldn't get a lot of garden supplies at the beginning of this. So if we're willing, Wilda, to really have this be an opportunity for us to grow and change, it will probably be one of the most powerful things on the planet. But again, it's not going to come from that fear or anxiety or, oh my God, you know, this is the end of the planet. That's not going to help anybody. And it's certainly not going to help that individual that wants to get better. And if they are going down that bunny hole, I call it, which is, you know, it's not going to get better. It's going to be like this. It's not going to change. The reframing of that thinking has to happen. Otherwise, that record keeps playing in the same old way, in the same and old And you tune. create it. You go back into the physiological memory and you live it. You do. Just amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. So what, what lessons, you know, we're, we're here in the process of making history, right? Yep. What lessons can we take away from what we're experiencing now? There's a number of them. Food is the most powerful drug we have. You know, if you can change your diet, you can change your health in dramatic ways. Connection, oxytocin, and you know, even, even rat studies has shown that if we have high amounts of oxytocin, it can actually offset some of those, you know, poor dietary choices that you might occasionally make. Occasionally, I said, we know that um, reframing your thinking, having a spiritual connection is going to be really important during this time and also be willing to ask those hard questions of yourself, going inside to really understand yourself and really learn and perhaps have one of your best friends help you write, you know, down what are some of the amazing things about me and really owning those things that are incredible instead of being so uh destructive in some of the things that we say to ourselves. This is the time that if we choose to do heart-centered as opposed to polarization, that we could change everything. We could change the world, we can change ourselves, and we can change our health. How do you see medicine changing as a result of this crisis? Well, you know what's so interesting is that, you know, I've been practicing functional medicine, as I said, for many, many years. And what we're seeing now in the studies for the first time is that we know and we understand that zinc is very important. We understand that fish oil is very important, that quercetin is very important, that vitamin C is very important. And all the studies they did in China, when people had COVID, what did they use? They used, high, they used melatonin and zinc and quercetin so that it really helped in terms of the transition from that inflammatory cascade. We know that we can actually uh, use food for medicine. So when we change with them, we add medicine and studies now are coming out showing exactly this. And the weekend that I spent looking at the biochemistry, we see now scientifically that if you change your biochemistry and you decrease the inflammation, your response to this particular pandemic is significantly altered in a better way. So we don't have to be so scared of, you know, if I get it. It may be more a question of when you get it. And that that, that fear is such a huge issue. And, and it, you know, we become afraid of the disease, which makes us more susceptible to it and not weathering it as well. So trying to take the mystery out of it. And so if I get it, I get it. I mean, no problem. All at some point have to get it. Taking better care of yourself so that when you do, it's not such a big deal. Is that the key? That is the key. And it starts with the diet that you have, but it also starts with, you know, we're knowing more about genetics than ever before. You may be more genetically prone, prone to having some kind of inflammatory response. Then what you do is you get out the inflammatory foods out of your diet. You stop sugar. You start exercising. You start changing your brain. You have more oxytocin on board. 
All of those things make it much, 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 much more likely that you're going to be absolutely fine and that the fear doesn't have to overtake us. The problem is that we have so many people that are metabolically unhealthy, and that's 88% of the population. And those people oftentimes have multiple medications that they're on and also, you know, many other particular health issues that are, we'll call it comorbidities, that are contributing to their reactions when they get the virus. Just amazing. So we're about to run out of time here. Where can people find out more about what your tools, your books, and all sure. the services that you offer? Well, they can go to my website. It's marcelpick.com, and I have over 1,400 articles there on all the health issues we described. I have three books. Uh, Is it me or my hormones? Is it me or my adrenals? And the core balance diet, all through Hay House, and they can get that on Amazon. And um, I also have the Women's Transformation Center, which is a weight loss program that's extremely successful for people that takes out many of the inflammatory foods, and most of my patients lose about 20 pounds in six weeks. So those are all options for people to get healthy and um, I do Facebook um, on a regular basis as well because my goal, Gwilda, is to get people healthier. We have a planet of people that are very unhealthy, especially in America, and my job is to get you better. Well, thank you for doing what you do. Unfortunately, we are out of time, and thank you so much for coming on the show. You're very welcome. It was absolutely my pleasure. Our guest this hour has been Marcel Peck, the author of Core Balance Diet, Is It Me or My Hormones, and Is It Me or My Adrenals? Her website, marcelpick.com. Remember, our entire information-packed past episode collection is available for listen or download free of charge. Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. This has been Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as this mission continues, bringing vital information, resources, and support to our evolving world. 